a little bit later as well, but um, this is like the verse for today, for all of us. <laughs> there's two, okay? Well, there's three. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We're going to get there on the fruit of the Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away. Wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. Here's the verse I was going to go to, though. That sets the stage. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Messiah has forgiven you. That, in essence, is a part of the fruit of the Spirit in action. Uh, and thank you, Steve, for that example. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that we would hear from you and we would grow. And we'd make those heart connections and understand your heart and what you want us to do and how we should reach out to others and touch lives. And I pray that we would rep- represent you well and accurately and that you would use us as lights that shine unto you. May we, may we, this morning, receive from you what you want to give. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Now, a couple of things I said I was going to do this week, I'm actually going to do more next week. We'll see about that. But, uh, you know, some of our songs uh, 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 this morning. Uh, turn to Psalm 100 real quick. We did this at Thanksgiving. It's in the very center of your Bible. Psalm 100. Very middle of the Bible. Thanksgiving. Now, some of the people I was reading this week, commentary-wise, are real conservative, stuffy, stuffy people. But there were some real surprises, which I'll share about a little bit later. You know, stuffy meaning um, we don't want to get emotional. You know, show emotions uh, at all. Now, how does that work in your romantic relationships? That <laughs> works great. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be. I don't want to be de- demonstrative of any emotion. <clears throat> Does it go like this? <clears throat> I love you. How does that work? I'm so happy to be with you tonight. You bring joy to me. Or, I was thinking, uh, this morning, one of our songs was Psalm uh, 100. <clears throat> Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with sad uh, gladness. <laughs> Can be, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I, I started to laugh, I'm sorry. Come before his presence with Moaning. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. I, mean, I even have a hard time doing that a little bit because it doesn't work, does it? I mean, stuff like that, if, you can, if we could only hear how it was said. It was a song. How it was sung. Come before his presence. It's an invitation to come into his presence. But... Uh, how much of this, these words, are emotionally charged? Well, next week I even have some statistics that are very interesting, such as the number of times the word joy is found in the Bible. 
It's phenomenal. I mean, the Bible is a joyful book. We're to be joyful people. Joyful people. For lack of a better sermon title, I'm not sure what last week's was, but so what's the fruit? We're on the fruit of the Spirit. But those are emotionally charged terms, every single one of those. So we left off last week with some questions. How do you know who or what you are spiritually? How do you, how do you measure it? Is there a gauge? We talked about, uh, uh, can, uh, is there evidence of faith? Uh, is there substance? Is it just ethereal? Is there actual evidence of faith? Yeshua said, you will know them by their fruit. By their fruit. Now, fruit cannot be produced on a dead tree, can it? Could have a living tree. A dead tree doesn't produce any fruit. A dead person <laughs> doesn't produce much of anything. A dead congregation doesn't produce much of anything. No life, no fruit. In Scripture, in Scripture, what's interesting is the term fruit on, on how it's used. Uh, first fruits, how it's used in Scripture. The, the, the holiday, just after Passover, first fruits, what's that, what's that all about? Well, that's the first signs of life. Life. Of life. It's, it's, you're dealing with life. It's the buds. The budding. The, the very first sign is the buds. Yeshua said, I came that you might have life. That you might have it abundantly. Paul calls him the first fruits. Our first fruits. The first fruits of the resurrection. Resurrection has to do with life. Restoration of life. What are your first fruits? What are the buds? What are they going to grow and develop into? You know, we talked about Dolly being up here. She was just little. And she watched dance. And she listened to the music. And little by little, she began to participate. And she grew and developed and began to blossom and bloom. And now uh, uh, into a leader. So the buds have developed into fruit. Thank you. Good fruit at that. All right? What are you growing on your tree? I got those big avocados. <laughs> Sometimes little kids take the fruit and... Throw it, don't they? Then you can, well, catch it. I, yeah, we've got two of those really good ones today. What are you growing? What is your tree producing? Are there life in the branches? Are there buds? What, what's it going to be? You know, what, the opposite of this, and you know, the uh, theme for the conference is revive us for joy, that whole concept of revival and life and so on. But a dead tree doesn't produce any fruit at all. What about... <laughs> <laughs> that old movie, oh, I see dead people. Yeah. Okay, what do dead people need? Education. Right? I mean, maybe you can get a job at the funeral home. And you go up to the casket and you can say, you know what? I've got a couple of good books for you. Here. If you just read these, things will get a lot better. Here. Education. Facts. Knowledge. The whole thing with Gnosticism in the first century had to do with knowledge. They thought knowledge should bring life. It doesn't. It's important. Education is important. It doesn't bring life, though. Uh, what about encouragement? Go over to the cast and see. Cheer up. Things could be worse. Well, maybe not. <laughs> okay. Now, Jack, you're a counselor. What about, do these dead people need counseling, maybe? You can counsel them a little bit. Maybe you can get a job with the funeral home, counseling dead people. You know, like... <laughs> What was that again? You had no names, please. No names. We're on tape. We could, lawsuits, lawsuits. I mean, I can imagine Jack saying, "Well, how long have you felt this way? 
speak up. In all seriousness, but the Bible, Paul uses that very picture of, de- of dead people, spiritually dead. They're dead. And then there's life. I mean, it, it, he, all these contrasts are, are great. Only time for a couple of them today, but, but one of those we, we, is the fruit of the Spirit. Contrasted to, you know, one of these stuffy people I was reading, actually they went to, to some of the actual uh, uh, Greek and Hebrew words, which we'll get into, into more next week, which are phenomenally deep and, and picturesque. But uh, these stuffy guys, he, he referred to Paul's two lists in, in Galatians. Of course, the fruit of the Spirit is a good, good one. He called it the lovely list, rightly so. Because every word there is lovely. But the one before it, which we're not going to today, but next week, he said, it's the, it's the evil list. And it really is. It's not just negative. It's not just, well, it's evil. It's an evil list contrasted to the lovely list. Which list paints a picture of you and, and of your life? And, and Paul was giving that example. You know, the, the contrast uh, and the pictures go well with the... With the um, armor of God as well. Here's a picture that Paul gives to us of this illustrates something in the spiritual realm. So there's this, the fruit. We all know about trees and fruit and so on. What a dead person needs is life. Yeshua came to give us life. John 10, 10. And a dead congregation needs life. And only he can impart it. Education doesn't do it. Facts don't do it. Schooling doesn't. It's important. I went to school a long, long time. I loved it. It's important doesn't bring life. doesn't bring life. It gives you tools to explain things. The biblical description of spiritual life. Well, it's the fruit of the Spirit. But Paul gives us the opposite of those things. Those things that uh, bring spiritual stagnation, dead, deadness, spiritual death, which is the opposite. Now, it wasn't just Paul that talked about the fruit. Yeshua had a lot to say about it. Turn to John chapter 15. John 15. Again, at the last Seder, the important things Yeshua had to say, this is one of the most important things he would ever say to his disciples. He talked about fruit. John 15. <clears throat> Verse 1. I am the true vine. That's a picture of a living thing, right? He's the vine. He's the whole thing. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me... That, by the way, this is really... Um, strong language. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. This is strong language. It's not just, it's nice if you bear fruit. It's uh, things happen if you don't. Big things. And part of my job as a leader and as a shepherd is to inform you of this. This is important. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay, and every branch that bears fruit, yowch, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. The pruning may hurt a little bit. There may be some ouches along the way, but it's for our own good. The pruning is so we'll bear more fruit. What's he pruning? He's pruning away the bad stuff, the yucky stuff, the things that are a hindrance. Well, it'd be easier for us to take that away ourselves, wouldn't it, versus having him do it. If we don't, he will. Interesting. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's the secret, being connected and abiding in him. I am the vine. 
He's just like, I'm going to make this clear. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And here's the bottom line. He said the next line, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. He is the life giver, the fruit producer, the connection. Without him, we can do nothing. We can do all the education, all the facts, all the counseling, all that other stuff, and it will be nothing. It will be nothing without him. He's the center. He's the focal point. He's the main thing. It's him. Keep the main thing the main thing. This is serious. There's two kinds of branches. The kind that doesn't bear fruit is cut off of the tree. It's, that's severe discipline. No fruit. We're expected to bear fruit. It's not just nice. We're expected to bear fruit. Better than that, he said, you're expected to bear much fruit. Much fruit. What's the fruit? Paul tells us the fruit of the Spirit. He gives us that picture. That is attractive to people. People want to be like that. If you are that, people will want to say, how do you get like that? I want, to, I want that. I spent all this money going to therapy to be that, and it's not working. It's found in him. It's found in him. Without him, we can do nothing. It's the we and the him. This is not a do-it-yourself thing. You can't do it yourself. Impossible. You cannot do it yourself. He also warned of another kind of fruit. Back in Matthew chapter 7. He said, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. And how do you, how, what, is she, what do wolves produce? Of the wolves. More wolves. They dress up like sheep, but when they have babies, they have baby wolves. What do wolves do? They eat sheep. They, sorry, but that's, that's what they do. They, and they, make, they make more wolves that eat more sheep. What's interesting is that the word in the, in, the, in the Greek, in the Bible, for hypocrite is the Greek word for actor. You dress up like something else, and you act a part. And Satan sends his emissaries as well into our midst. And they look like sheep, but they're actors. But they're, and you should call them ravenous wolves that devour, they eat the sheep. So how do you recognize them? By their fruit. By their fruit. What fruit are we looking for? From Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience. Wolves don't do that. They bring that bad list, the bitterness, the anger, the, the strife, the gossip, the backbiting, all that awful stuff. That's what they bring. That's their fruit. That's the fruit that's being produced in them. What fruit are, is being produced in you? And where are you, where are you going, what you're doing, what you're watching, what you're hearing, what you read? What's the fruit of that stuff? We can be deceived. Be careful. And be Aware and have discernment. You recognize the wolves by the fruit. <clears throat> well, my little topic next is called bad breath. Bad breath. Bad. Anybody want to raise their hand on that one? Why would I go there? Well, the word spirit, ruach, is the same word for breath. There's bad, there's bad breath. <laughs> And there's good breath. Make sure you're getting the good breath. Breath. God's spirit imparts the breath of life. That is first stated in the book of Genesis. And God breathed into man the breath of life. From his spirit, he breathed into him life. He breathes life. He breathes life. 
The Holy, it's, it's Holy Breath. The Holy Spirit. Holy Breath. That'd be a, be a good song. Not mentioning all the verses, because there's a ton of them. What does he do? He indwells us, if you're a believer. He fills you. We've talked about that last week. We are his temple. He lives in here. The phrase, Spirit of God, that phrase, and the phrase, Breath of God, is the same exact wording in the Greek. Same exact wording. It's translated the same. He breathes life. He breathes life. The fruit of his breath, what is it? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, humility, self-control. He breathes that into us. Are you receiving it? Because you become that if he breathes that into you. That's the kind of life he wants to give to you. We can quench his breath. First Thessalonians. Paul said, don't quench the spirit. You can quench it. You see, we're not like... He doesn't force himself upon you. It's just like he, he, in, he uh, um, enables, he allows, he provides for your needs. You can say, no thanks. And you can quench... The, how do you quench the Spirit? It's that other list. That quenches the work of the Spirit, the other list, which typifies who you are, what you look like, how you behave. And out of his breath comes life. And <laughs> I was just kind of thinking, maybe we need some, uh, some a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Okay? From his breath to our breath to bring life into us. As we look at this, I've mentioned before, there's pictures and patterns. And there's some, there's some wonderful, it's, it's wonderful how the Bible is put together in these picture forms. Like this young man on the screen that was able to give us all those things. Those are picture forms. It's, it's an illustration. He's this, he's this, he's this, he's this. Well, the Hebraic mindset itself gives us the, these picture forms of spiritual truth. I mentioned the armor of God. The fruit of the Spirit is one of those. Okay, what do, what do you have in that list? You have nine fruits. Three groupings of three. It gets better. I'm not sure I want to go the whole distance on this one. But this is, if you like the pictures and patterns, this, this is cool. The first three, love, joy, and peace, are one grouping. They come together. This is what I experience in my heart, inside of me. I, can ex- I can't experience love, joy, and peace. You know what? I've got to tell you, the, the world wants that. That is what they want. That is what they're looking for. And if we have it and don't share it, we're doing them a disservice. Because we can show them how you get it. Without, Yeshua said, without me, you can do nothing. But with him, that's how, what you can be. A person of love, of joy, of peace. And you know what? Those are expressive terms. They, they are a part of your heart. When you take a look at the Shema, there's an expression of those things. Like I mentioned, you know, if you're going to propose to someone, you say, I love you with all of my heart. I can't even say that plain, okay? Because it doesn't work without an emotional oomph to it. The second grouping, patience, kindness, goodness. It's how I relate to other people. Patient with, the, the words here are patient with people, not just patience. Patient with people, kind to people, good to people. How do you get this to work? You be good, you do good things, you be kind, you be nice, just do it. Let's start with what Steve did. He started verbalizing it. But do it. Be nice. Be kind. Be patient. It's not so easy, huh? But these are the outward things. The first three were the inward. These are outward. How you relate to other people. The final three, faithfulness, humility, and self-control, have to do with your relationship with God. It's the upward. 
So there's inward, outward, and upward, three groupings of three. These nine virtues cover every relationship in life. If you take a look at it, they, they talk about every relationship on how it should be or could be if you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit. It affects every relationship, not just one, but all of them. All of them. It's a package deal. Together they describe what we call the Spirit-filled life, the Spirit-led life, the Spirit-controlled life. It's not how you look on the outside, even though two or three of us have the right shirts on today, uh, Jack and uh, um, Steve and I. It's not how you, anybody, the wolf goes to the sheep store and gets nice sheep outfits. He looks like a sheep. It's not, okay, I can, I can, I'm not going to do this, but, okay, years ago, years ago, I made a dreadful mistake. And I was a youth pastor, and one of the uh, younger men, older younger men in the congregation was going to barber school. And he wanted to practice on me for free. And so <laughs> we, did, we did this in the church um, social hall, whatever, so he practiced on me. So that afternoon was a meeting with the, with the teens, and they all walked in, and their mouths dropped three feet when they looked at me. He, made, he did this poofy, uh, stylish thing that made me look like one of those TV evangelist guys, you know, that, the hair <laughs> like, like this. <laughs> the, the kids came in, and they looked at me, and they go, uh, no, you're not, not going to do that. No, no. I, and I looked in the mirror. It was like, I'm not going to name names, but there's about ten of them that look all the same with their hair. That, you know, it's like, <clears throat> no, no, no pictures. But it's not how you look on the, you can all look like that. Not that you want to, okay? They take a greater offering, though, don't they? I don't know. I don't give them any money. Don't, don't give me any money, okay? But it's not the outside, it's the inside. And, and this describes how you should look on the inside. It's what you are on the inside. It's not just looks. It's you are these things. This is you. This is who you are. They're qualities of the heart. Qualities of, of the heart. See, Yeshua said, without me, you can do nothing. When you're connected with him, this is the fruit that, that comes out. People want to be around you if you're like this. Who wants to be around a grumpy person, a critical person, a gossipy person? You know, Nobody. People say, well, you know, nobody likes me. I go, you want to know why? You don't know why they don't want to hang around? Why you don't get invited places? Because that's all you do. Be kind, tender-hearted, loving one another. You know, those are kind things. You know, we, we think of Paul as the harsh Pharisee. Boy, he was transformed. Pharisee, yeah. But I'll tell you what, he was a tender, loving, a sweet, sweet Man, by the way, that word is one of the words, the word sweet. I'll show it to you later, if not today, uh, next week. Because we, all of a sudden we start thinking of these terms, uh, well, wait a minute, uh, humble, sweet, you know, meekness is weakness. Guess what? Not in God's economy. The most humble man who ever lived was who? Was he weak? He could swing a big stick, right? Watch out. No, he wasn't weak, but he was Meek. He was humble. He was humble. What was Yeshua like? He cried. You know, he, he wept. You know, he's a man's man. Meekness is not weakness at all. Who you are determines what you do. Are you this? Is this you? It's not produced by knowledge, not by facts, not by self-effort, but by spiritual growth. 
And the bad news is this. It's spiritual maturity. It takes time. You don't go to a retreat and come back this. Okay, you come back starting and taking your first step. Paul, twice in Ephesians, said, walk in the Spirit. We start walking. You start. You take steps. That's the opposite of sitting and, 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 and even standing. You start to move, but it takes time. It's a process. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. You can't go to a weekend retreat and come back mature. You can come back challenged to grow and do the right things. It takes time. Your faith has to stand the test of time. The test of time. You know, part of this is faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness, that includes time. Over a span of time, are you faithful? You say, well, I've been coming for three weeks, three years. Let's try that one and see how you do. I don't know how many people we've had, and Jack and his sister as well, when they come in, oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm home. This is my new home. And in a month, they're gone. Okay? Give them a year. Give them a year. It's a test of time to make sure you know who we are and that God is speaking to you, but time is important. In a relationship, oh, pastor, I met the woman I'm going to marry. When? Two weeks ago. And we're getting married next week. Really? Oh, yeah. Now, the test of time. The test of time. Probably more time than you think on those things. The test of time. Do you still feel that way after a period of time? When you got to know the person over a period of time? You know, this excitement about serving Yeshua. There's excitement about serving him. Well, you know what? Guess what? There's the other side of that coin, too. It happened to someone this week. Um, it's okay if I say it, I think. Uh, with Megan. She was excited about responding to the calling on her life for missions. She's had the calling for a long time. She took the step, made the application into prayer. She was accepted. As she began to share with some friends and family, the response was not what she thought. It was like, you are nuts. You are crazy. It happened to me too. Uh, Mom, I'm going to the, in, in the, uh, my dad, I'm going to the ministry. You're crazy. You're not going to make any money. I, uh, all of a sudden, well, I thought you'd be happy about this. You know, I mean, I'm a good kid, right? Yeah, but you all of a sudden, we get, we get, when we make a right choice, you get blasted sometimes from unlikely sources. Friends and family say, we're nuts, we're crazy. Well, just get ready. When you, when you make the right choices spiritually, there will be a response that's not always so pleasant from other people, even those who are close to you. But there's no shortcuts. Your faith needs to stand the test of time. Well, I mentioned last week, and, and so the evidence of faith. And we take a look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11. It says, faith is the evidence of things not seen. The substance. Faith is, how do you test your faith over the span of time? How, how, what, what's the test? What is the evidence? What's the substance? Can it be measured? The fruit of faith is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. By faith, what did you do? By faith, you opened... In that, in that list in Hebrews 11, by faith, all these famous people did those things that were, by they became our heroes. But by faith, what did you do? You took that first step and opened up your heart to Yeshua by faith. It was by faith. What did you know? Not much. Enough, though. And it, you know, did he come in? Did it work? Yeah, it did, didn't it? You invited him in by faith. 
Invited in by faith, he came in. Were you empowered by the, by the Holy Spirit? It's the same way, the same method. It's by faith. You ask, you receive. You ask, you receive. He enables. He empowers. Has he filled you? If, he, if you haven't asked, ask. He will fill you. He will, if you yield control of your life to him. Did it work? Yeah, it works for me. It works. It does work. All right? Have you asked? Have you received? By faith, you believed. You took that step. It began. It continues. The whole book of Acts starts off. They began. They began. Then they continued. They continued. And we are continuing what they started 2,000 years ago. It took that step. You've got to take that step of faith. But how do you know it's working? What is it producing in your life? The fruit of the Spirit. In, in looking back, have you seen them uh, before with her, her reunions? You know, she was gone for a long time from her past. I didn't know her in that past. When we go to the reunion, people are saying, this, who are you? <laughs> okay, you're not the same person. I'm going, it was really cool to hear that. Because they saw a drastic transformation in her. I never knew that old person. Okay, but they, they saw the, what the Lord did in her life. And it was, it was visible. The evidence was there. The evidence was plain. Just in, in, in having some food uh, at a reunion. God promises to finish what he begins. He that has begun a good work in you will complete it, Philippians. If he started it, he'll finish it. Without me, you can do nothing. He's the one who does it. It's not do it yourself. The evidence of him working in your life is the fruit of the Spirit. It had a beginning. The seed was planted. The fruit just doesn't show up on a tree. There's a seed that's planted. Somebody waters it, develops it, it grows. It matures, and in time, the tree produces fruit. What kind of fruit is your tree producing? This is the evidence of true faith right here. It's not the gifts of the Spirit. Because you can, and Paul teaches that, you can use the gifts in the flesh in a negative form. It's not, it, they're still gifts of God, but they can be misused. But you can't really botch up this one. You know, love, joy, and peace, you can't really fake it. You can't fake it. The seed had a beginning. You had a beginning. That faith had a spark, had a beginning. Has it begun to grow in you? Is it developing these things or is something else being developed? What's the evidence? The evidence of faith. And I mentioned earlier, when you, when, you, when you look at this list, Paul says twice in, in this chapter, chapter 5, to walk in the Spirit. That means we start moving. We start going. We start, start doing what? Start being nice. Be kind. Be loved. Be polite. Be courteous. You look at these positive attributes. They're things that we do. They're outward expressions of what's in our heart. And they're not, they're not to be faked. You know, don't be the hypocrite. Okay, really be nice. What Steve was doing, he was saying truthful things about all of us. You can do that. You can find beautiful, truthful things about people. You know, maybe only one or two, but say them, okay? Give them a start. Encourage them to do better. All right? Be, be gentle. That whole term is a gentleman, God's gentleman. You know, it's, these are the opposite traits of the world. Manliness is gentleness. It is in God's economy. It is in God's economy. Patience with people. Not just circumstances, but with people. Why would I say that? Because they're, they're tough, huh? You know, they irritate us, don't they? No, you're to be patient with people. Is God patient with you? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole thing, about if, if you t take a look at the pattern, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the beginning. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul describes love. He starts off with love is patient. Love is kind. 
Love is gentle. He goes down describing love with these very words as well. Does it describe you? But that's the, rela- that's the picture of the relationship of you to, a, to another person. If you say, I love you, this should be how you behave toward them with these qualities. Be kind. Be nice. Be forgiving. Are we going to make mistakes? Oh, yeah. Every one of us. Be good to people. And exercise self-control. That last one, self-control. That's discipline. You know, the, the Greek words are taken from the Olympics. Uh, the, at, the athletes. A good athlete is disciplined. You know, what's your favorite football team? Somebody name a team. Oh, fast would be good. What team? The Packers. All right. They're in the news these days, aren't they? They are. See, I, I know at least that much. My favorite team was the Rams when they were in Los Angeles. The L.A. Rams. Do you think they show up at the beginning of the season and go out there and, 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 and do all that stuff and are really good? No. They show up and they work and they work and they train and they work hard and they sweat and they work and they work on the fundamentals, the basics. They go to the basics, the basic plays. They work and they work and they work and they work and they tune up their bodies. It's discipline. They'd rather be at the beach surfing or something, right? But they're not going to win games if they don't. It's a matter of discipline. And in, 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 with the athletes, it's discipline to train your body for an event. In the Olympics, they don't just show up and are good and win the medal. Do you, look at the amount of work that goes in to those gold medal winners, what they do. And how in hours and hours a day, uh, tuning up these things to perform for a, a few minutes. But it's discipline to do that. You don't just say, I want to have a, uh, an Olympic medal. Lots of work. Lots of work. Same thing with ministry, by the way. And I I used to get this when I was a chaplain in the Navy with the the Marines. Somebody would walk in the door and say, you know what, I'd like to be a chaplain. And I'd go, okay. So what do I have to do to be a a chaplain? Anyway, what do I do? How do I sign up? I said, well, first of all, first thing is this. You have to go and get a degree, a BA or a BS degree, in an accredited uh, university, number one. Number two, that's four years. Of course, it took me five years because it took me five years, all right? (laughs) And then they told me I was lucky. (laughs) You're lucky. Okay. And then then you have to go to get a master's degree, not a two-year MA, but a three-year master's degree from an accredited uh, school. And then you have to have two to three years experience after that as a pastor, as a, as a, as a, working with the congregation. And what you have to do then is meet all the qualifications that the Navy has to be an officer. These are the qualifications. Here, meet all of them, including the, the physical, the mental, all that kind of stuff. And then you have to be endorsed by a religious group of some sort, and you have to meet all their qualifications as well which sometimes they're not all the same. All these things, you have to, all this, this big long checklist. And the guy's sitting there saying, you know how many years that's going to take? I said, yeah, but you know what? If that's what you want to do, oh, here's a chaplain right here. See, am I right? You don't just walk up and say, I want to be a chaplain. I'm a believer. I, I, no. There's a discipline involved to get from point A to point B that takes years. And I've got to tell you, it's really hard work. This gentleman is, a, is an Air Force Reserve chaplain right here. And I'm glad you're, you're with us. But you don't just, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of hard work 
to go to, to get your master's degree. It's a lot of hard work. You talk about all that knowledge and stuff. I love the knowledge. I love school. I really did. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, but, you know, then you've got to put this stuff into practice. And that's the experience afterwards. It took a lot of time to get from point A to point B. You don't just say, I'm going to do this. There's discipline. A part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, self-discipline. You say, well, I, I want to be able to teach the Bible. That's good. You need to know the Bible. You need to learn the Bible. You need to study. Paul told Timothy, study the Scriptures. And by the way, that was, that was Torah. Okay, there wasn't the New Testament yet. Study. That you might be approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. What's he talking about? Because when people ask you a Bible question, he was the leader of, of Ephesus, big, big congregation. You better have the answer. You don't just make something up. Okay, you don't say, well, I, here's, what I, here's how I see it. Because that's only how you see it. But you better have the answer from Scripture that people ask, which takes a lot of hard work and study. If you're going to be a teacher of the Bible, you need to be a student of the Bible and study and study hard, and it takes discipline. You have to get up in the morning and pray, and you have to read, and you have to research. That's just the way it is. You don't just walk in and shoot from the hip. Never, ever do that. Self-control, self-discipline is a part of the Spirit-filled life. And we're all called to that, to be disciplined people in our study and our prayer. Not just to pray when you feel like it. I have to pray when I don't feel like it. Yesterday was a good example. Today was a good example. Okay? I was grumpy. Was I grumpy? Tell the, tell the truth. Would you? I was grumpy. It doesn't matter how I feel. You get up at, I got up at 5 o'clock this morning to pray. For you. Okay? I didn't feel like it. I really didn't. Sorry about that. Sorry to burst your bubble. But I did. But I did. And that's what I do. Whether I feel good or not, whether I feel good about some of you or not, that, that doesn't matter. It's a discipline that you have to, you set your mind, I will do this. And I read, and I study. And you need to do that too. It's not just for me. I'm not the one that does this. We're all to do all of these things. We're all to be students. Megan has an opportunity to go to some foreign country. She has, she's been preparing for a long time. I think this is... Sharon went, uh, a lot of you have done this. You can do, you can do this. Dolly just came back. You can do this. It's a commitment. That's a commitment to go to IHOP. That was commitment. You don't just show up and say, well, okay, uh, uh, when do I pray now? You go, all, all the time? Okay. It's discipline. But to see what produces from that is the fruit. Is the fruit. All right, because as a chaplain... <coughs> Uh, that gave me opportunities that I would have never had. And some of them are great surprises. Like we pray for our government, right? We pray for our government. I got a phone call one day. It said, uh, uh, Chaplain Black, we need a chaplain over at the Sea Beach Naval Station to pray at this uh, ceremony. Can you come? I said, sure, I can come. Well, guess who I'm praying with? Guess who I have lunch with? the Secretary of the Navy and his wife. What are the chances of, of me getting an appointment with, with these guys to talk to them about Messianic Judaism? And his wife was really interested. Can you tell me about this? Tell me more about this. About your congregation? Well, in Israel. And now, uh, here I am talking to people in the government. The Secretary of the Navy. Why? Well, because I had been disciplined and prepared for an event, which I have, I have no control over. I could have never done that. 
But when you get prepared, God opens doors of opportunity to utilize what you've been prepared to do. But you don't just wake up one day and go do it. It's preparation. When we study the, the, the book of Acts, uh, uh, way back, <laughs> I, I love that study, but a part of what happened to those missionaries was preparation. They just didn't say, okay, we're going to go here. No, there was preparation. And there was prayer. And sometimes God said, don't go. Okay, you've got to be listening. It's not just, we're going to do what we know. God said, don't go. But it was a yet. So this is a not yet. And they would say, okay, go now. And he would say, go here. But there was the preparation. But then there was the breakthrough. After praying, breakthrough. Go here now. And when they did that, the people were ready to receive what they had to say. And miracles uh, took place. Even resurrection from the dead. Because they were ready. It had to do with prayer and preparation. And then the breakthrough. And then the suddenlies came. And the world was changed. And who, who does he use to change the world? You. You. You don't just wake up one day with all this spiritual maturity. It's just, it's, it's really hard work. It is hard work. Because you make mistakes. There are setbacks. You sin. You have to repent. You know, all that kind of stuff. And you have to learn how imperfect you are. And I like Sally Klein O'Connor's songs that he uses imperfect people. Take a look at, I have a good sermon on this. I've used it here a couple of times in, in various forms. But take a look at the list of disciples Yeshua chose. Would you have chosen those guys? I imagine some of the people are saying, you've made some really serious mistakes here. These guys. He saw what they could be. He sees what you can be, not what you are. They, did they work at this? Three and a half years, they gave up their jobs to travel with him and got the best theological education possible. And the day came that they were turned loose and they changed the world. They didn't wake up one day and say, let's go change the world. There was preparation. Learning how to, how to walk with the Master, do what he did, say what he said, be like him. And then they were ready. There's that preparation. But the fruit came. The fruit came. We see the New Testament, what they wrote. But better than that, it was people. And you are the product of them. In the book of Acts, they started, they continued, they passed the baton. And it happened again and again and again. And then someone told you. And you listened, and by faith, you open up your heart, just like in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. And the same thing happened. And now you're called to prepare, to get ready, and go and tell, like Megan and other, Matt Toller and others, who go and do those things. And he, he uses imperfect people. Megan's not perfect. Matt's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But you know what? I, I want to spend the, the breath that he's given to me imparting to others the love he has shown to me. And the truth of this, I really believe this stuff. You know, I really believe this stuff. It's really true. It's not these aren't just stories. This stuff really happened. It is true. What he says is true. What he promises to you is true. He will do what he says. Just let him do the work in you. It's not a do-it-yourself. He does the work in you. The, these great words that I talked about, by the way, that word sweetness, we'll do it at, at, at next week, it actually typifies about half of these words. They're sweet people. Believers are sweet people. That's, that's really kind of nice, I think. But we're strong people. It's not just that we're weak. Sweet is not weak. Okay? I pray that these words describe you. We began, we do every week the Shema. In a minute, we're going to do something a little bit different as we end the service. But it's a command, isn't it, from God. You will love. How can you get a command to love? God gives us a command. You will love me, he said, with all that you are. With your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. 
your whole being. You're to love him. That's our emotions, by the way. Emotions. Our intellect, both. It's both. It's not just from the gut. It's up here, too. And our body, the physical expression, the dance. All the, how many forms in Scripture are there of physical expressions of worship? A whole lot. I'm going to share some of those in two weeks. Okay? And, and our heroes all did this. Moses did it. David did it. Yeshua did it. We're in, we're in, we're in good company. And, and we should do it as well. And I'll show you. How are we to respond to his command? How are we to respond when he says, you will love me with all that you are? Well, the picture all through Scripture, cover to cover, is one of sacrifice. It's one of sacrifice. The book of Hebrews, a book about sacrifice. And in Hebrews 13, 15, we started the, ver- the, the service today. Turn there, Hebrews 13, 15. We'll end it with this verse. And then something else. Hebrews 13, go ahead and turn there. Therefore, this is the end of the book. The whole book was getting up to this one point. Therefore, let us continually, not once, continually offer the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice, sacrificial of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's back to Psalm 100. But God says, I want you to exercise the Shema. The response is, the fruit of your lips. Not, oh, I love you in my heart. I, I, that's fine. But I want you to love me this way too. Okay? Remember the, the term breath? It's in and out. It's both ways. The fruit of our lips. Giving thanks. That, that's the word for worship to his name. From our heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Through our lips to his throne. That's the pathway. That's the pathway. And, and these are emotions that are expressed by a love response. It's not an intellectual response only. It's a love response from our heart. Worship is declaring his worth with our lips. Declaring our love, sometimes verbally. So can you say it? We sang the song earlier. Some of you might have even not liked the song because it's not one of our songs, you know. It's not one of our songs. But it is one of our songs right out of the Bible in several places, including the book of Revelation, where it simply says, believers said, and they would say to Yeshua, I I love you. You know, when you're in love with someone and I want to marry them, those words come out kind of easy, don't they? When you look at them and you say, you know, I love you. I love you. And we're to say it to him. The response to the Shema is, Lord, my lips, I love you. Can you do it? We're going to sing that song one more time. Let's all stand.